welcome to Contra Mundum. I am Andrew Isker, and I'm here with my co-host, CJ Engel. Hello, CJ. How you doing? I'm doing well. Well, let's let's jump right in to the events of the week. We don't have a lot of time today. It's going to be a short show. So, uh, number one, the topic on everyone's minds, thanks to uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, her tweets and, and comments this week, is national divorce. Uh, what do you think about national divorce, CJ? I, I think it's I think it's a great conversation starter. I think it's great because it gets people's minds going about like just the inevitability of the American regime. There's a lot of talk about whether it's possible. I don't really care whether it's possible. Um, it's like it's impossibility doesn't really matter as much as our ability to just think through uh, our eternal commitments to the American regime. I don't think empires last forever and I don't think we should have any like, ultimate dedication to the continuity of this regime. Um, that's my, that's my initial instinct is like, there's just that process of delegitimization that happens when you talk about things like national divorce or secession. So I don't, I don't get all upset about it. I also think that the people saying that it's impossible, um, it kind of implies that something like reforming the system or changing it from the inside and all those things are possible, which I think those things are equally impossible. So I, I don't, I don't put any, weight on its impossibility or possibility. I think anything that can just free people's minds from the regime uh, is a healthy thing to do. I, I think that that's kind of a positive. The other thing that I think about, though, too, on the opposite scale is, uh, regardless of its possibility, I, I agree with the argument that we shouldn't give one inch um, to these people. Like the idea that we should give up our territory, the, th the thing that make us who, like we have a long history with a lot of memories, a lot of struggles, a lot of mountains that have been climbed and overcome. Um, I don't, I don't see why we should give away that, uh, you know, there's no reason why we should just let, let that go and walk away. That's, I think that's kind of, um, that's, that's really undermining our commitment to honoring those that came before us that died for this land. Um, so there's something that unites us and there's something that should be continuous about it. I think we should delegitimize the regime, but not delegitimize our own heritage. Yeah, I think I, I, I largely agree um, with that perspective that you have there. Um, I mean, I think there's when you mention the topic national divorce, the reaction you get from different people, it, it's, it's kind of this. I mean, like a lot of things, it's this litmus test that kind of reveals what is already there. Um, so you, you mentioned this topic. Um, some people hear it, you know, your typical Republican, you know, uh, Paul Ryan club for growth type Republicans. Um, they hear that, or, you know, you're or your Adam Kinzinger's, you know, your Liz Cheney's, those, those types of people, Mitt Romney, uh, they lose their minds at that idea because how, the, the, you know, it, it's the same thing with like January 6th, like at the Holy temple of democracy is being, is being violated. Oh, how could you dare say something like that? Um, so you have that reaction from people who, you know, obviously they're against it because they're full on in support of the regime. Um, then you then you have the people. Um, I'm, I'm sure you saw the tweet of the the screen grab from the Sean Hannity uh, program, where I mean it was just comical. I wish I wish I had it here to show uh, the viewer, um, but uh, it said things like. Uh, if we have a national divorce, then red states will be able to have same day elections and, and paper ballots and things like this. And it's like, uh, buddy, don't you get it? Like to get to that point, like you're already going to have to have those things to begin with, to even begin that conversation. So, I mean, you, you have the, the kind of like very low IQ, uh, drug brained, 
oh, national divorce will be great. And, and it, it'll just magically happen somehow. Um, so like those people throw aside all practical considerations. There's a lot of people that use it as kind of a cope where it's like, mm -hmm. we, we see how powerless the right is in America that like red States like Texas, they can't even do anything about drag queen story hour in their big cities or even in, in medium sized towns in Texas. They can't, they're, they're powerless to deal with it. Um, and so if that's, they, another, yeah, I think that's another thing we should talk about too, because um, like, 19th century experience of secession was largely a regional thing. But yes. in our time, the entire breakdown is rural and urban, right? Like my yeah, rural largely. area of California is much more conservative and right wing than the urban centers in Texas. So secession, you know, it, it, it has a completely different feel to it. They're not used oh, yeah. to it. Yeah. You know it's, I mean? not, it's, it's not a concept. I mean, cause like, I mean, on the one hand, like the people losing their minds are like Kinzinger is like, Oh, that question was settled in the 1860s, you know, just really stupid uh, neocon yeah. talking points um, is is ridiculous. Because, like the, the country itself, the United States of America was founded upon secession. Like that's just that's incontrovertible. That's yeah. a fact. It's the way that it is. So like the question of, of seceding or separating um, is is literally what the country is about. Uh, number one. Yeah. Uh, but but number two, it's like. But the forms that we exist within are totally different than yeah. than the you know 1770s or the 1860s. Like the, none of those things exist anymore. And like you said, it's this like um, national identity. I mean, some of it is you have this this sort of national identity that was forged in America, like it or not, um, in the 20th century, where it's this this kind of homogenized idea of what an American is. Like there's no you know, New England or this, the, the South or, or the, the West or, you know, Pacific Northwest, like most of those uh, regional identities are, are gone, right? It's, it's, mm -hmm. they've been subsumed into uh, America. And, and mm -hmm. so, but at the same time, there's this bifurcation of what America is um, where you have America and you have this rural identity. You also, you have it to, to a certain extent in the suburbs um, in, in the, in the metropolitan areas. Um, but it, it, it's largely rural versus urban, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's necessarily only that because there's a lot of, uh, right-wing people in the urban areas. They're just, they're totally overwhelmed, uh, by, by the left in, in urban centers. Um, so some of it is a question of like, where, where does power lie? Well, it's mm -hmm. in the urban areas, uh, whether mm -hmm. we like it or not, like I live in a small town in, in rural Minnesota, um, and, and you live, you know, in rural California. Um, so we see it because we're, you know, you know, ruralites. Um, but I would, I would much rather have like our people that think like us be in the big cities, you know, and <laughs> with tons of wealth and power and able to, to dominate things. Um, like, obviously you would want that. Um, it's so it's, it isn't quite as simple as um, rural versus urban necessarily. Um, I, you know, I would say it's, it's, it's a little more complex than that, but, but obviously um, geographically, that's how it lays out um, in, in America. But um, it the and the, the second part of it is like you, know, you get to where where I am. Like so, you have your your Kinzinger people who are against it. And you're the left, obviously, against it. Then you have your like drug brain Hannity types that are for it. Um, I am, you know, for it, I guess, in a vacuum. Um, but in like reality, like it's 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 a non-starter. Usually, it's it's something people do to cope with their own powerlessness is bring up this topic, even though I agree with you. Delegitimizing the regime is like number one thing we got to do for yeah. sure. 
Um, so delegitimizing it, very important. Uh, but, but secondly, like it can't be just like, all right, we're going to go do a red dawn out in the woods somehow when I can't even get regular people to stop watching the NFL and, and like participating in this, you know, godless culture. Uh, so like the, the yeah. desire to fight a guerrilla war, it's like not there. It's not going to happen. Like you're not going to you know, sacrifice your life. Agreed. Agreed. It's not possible. It's not possible to do it right now, but it's also not possible to change the system from the inside. Like no. any anything that's ever going to bring us out of this situation is going to take some radical transformations, and those transformations um, are going to proceed either a secessionary path or a reformist path. Both yeah. of those are, the, are going to require something. And anyone who says something else is a, is a true believer in the regime. They believe that the system can be changed. They believe that the, that the system um, can be, you know, fortified, that we can, you know, bring this country back and all that stuff. I think that's completely BS. I think we're on the other side of the horizon on, on that issue. And so nothing should be left off the table in terms of our, like, like mental ability to deal with it. Like the idea that we shouldn't be talking about it or something as if it was like unpatriotic or whatever. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, maybe in 1940, but you know, yeah. we live in the, the civil rights regime, you know, and, and the whole world has changed. Yeah. I, I would say, I mean, one of the things that, so when we talk about it, um, I want people to be realistic about the prospects and not, not think that like Ron DeSantis is going to don his like gray uniform and lead, you know, and, and get on his white horse and lead the, you know, the secessionary states of America, uh, of true America to victory. Like that's not going to happen. Um, uh, we don't have, we don't have the organization at this point to do it. Like that, the thing I, I want is people to like, take this idea and see that, all right, it can't happen right now, but it, it has to, like, we have to organize to be able to have the, enough political power and organization and leadership uh, to be able to affect the change in our situation. Um, so, I mean, however the conversation goes, like it has to be toward that end. Um, and, and secondly, um, the other thing that I think is important to, to recognize is like, um, things, even though, you know, the regime had a banner year, I think in 2023, like they were able to, or 2022 into 2023, uh, I mean, Ukraine you know, whether Russia wins in Ukraine or not, like Ukraine has been a success for, for them, for all of their goals. Like they wanted to decouple Russia from Europe. Um, it's, it's been a, a smashing success for them. Um, and they've been able to consolidate power. They've been, they've been able to do a lot of things that they wanted to do. Um, even like the, the red wave didn't happen, all these things. Right. And, and so like, it, it can feel like really blackpilling to feel like, Oh, they got all this power. There's nothing that's, it, it's, it's over, you know, that's, that's how people look at it and think about it. But, um, the thing that we have to keep in mind is that like, there are tens of trillions of dollars of like entitlement spending that, I mean, it, it sounds like you're, you're libertarian doomer, uh, moment, but it's like, but that's, that's real. Like that money is real. That is, is like bookmarked, you know, out yeah. for decades from now, that's going to happen. Like one way or the other, like, there is financial catastrophe that is going to take place that there's no way around yeah. right? other than like genociding tens of millions of people. Like yeah. there's no way around it. Like, like there's some type of financial collapse that really is going to happen, you know, and, and, and like the libertarian, you know, gold bug, like buy gold here, uh, people, um, all day long, like that kind of stuff. They, um, 
they always want you to think it's like right around the corner. Like it's, it's a couple months away. Um, but, uh, I mean, it could be, it could be after we're dead for all we know, but it's going to happen. Like there is going to be some type of, um, moment where the regime cannot supply itself any longer. I mean, it almost feels like it now with how much inflation there is and how bad the recession is getting, um, that, that we're, we're at a, a sticking point. And so the thing I want people to keep in mind with this is that if, if there is some kind of massive, huge collapse on the horizon financially, um, where the regime will lose power, um, the way things presently are is like big giant Antifa mobs could be activated and just go kill everybody. Um, if that happened like tomorrow, like we do, Mm -hmm. we don't have the organization, even like, like in our local communities to be able to resist that. Right. If there was a collapse, Right. Because that's a lot of the national divorce talk is kind of uh, um, contingent um, on collapse of the regime of some sort. And yeah, um, that's I, yeah, think that, I think that's that's an underappreciated point, too. Um, like as as um, as ridiculous as, as things have gotten at the federal level. And they are out of control in certain ways. I think they are still the world's strongest regime the empire is still strong the empire at the snap of its finger could make almost anything happen you know they, they have these they have these big um you know theater theatrical shows about like how january 6th was almost like a complete takeover but literally within five <laughs> seconds they could shut anything down in the world that they want to yeah like the regime yeah. is extremely powerful and if you think there's going to be like some sort of meaningful um exit from the regime um like you have an, you have like the reality is so much different than that because the, the regime will shut anyone down that does it like so anything anything that's meaningful like even like Ron DeSantis the things that he's doing in Florida it's only because he is authorized to do so you know like he's tolerated you know yeah, he's allowed to get away with that stuff he's not going to he's not going to pursue some secessionary path forward yeah. uh, because he's he's not allowed to do that you know like I mean these people kill uh, presidents these people kill world leaders. These people are experts yeah. in color revolutions. These people are experts at um, exploitation, at infiltration. Um, you know, they, they are the most powerful regime in the world and they don't want their regime to be, to disintegrate and they will do anything possible to prevent that from happening. Yeah. And, and, and so that's, I mean, both those things are true at the same time. It's, it's, it's wild um, that the power that they wield is massive. I mean, really this historical amount of power over, over, massive human population that really it's, it's hard to compare. Um, Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like they are, they are cashing, you know, checks on, on tomorrow's money. Like at at some point, like they, they will not be able to sustain the power that they have and and keep it going. Uh, Plus you have like a declining population that they're not going to be able to backfill with, you know, totally wide open borders. Like that's not going to work. Um, And so like, if you're looking at like long-term stability of the regime, uh, it's not there, even despite the power that they have. And so the thing I, you know, look, looking at it and analyzing the situation from, from that perspective, what needs to be done is, is are people building things within, you know, parallel to the system um, and, and consolidating political power where they can, whether that's in, in rural areas, local areas, I mean, in their suburbs, whatever, um, taking hold of certain issues, like the groomer issue is a big one, an important one. Um and, and CRT and all of these things like, like 
taking hold of people and ideas and organizing them around that to be able to, to fight this stuff. Um, because like the day is coming when, when things will start to fall apart. And if that happened today, we would be in, you know, in rough shape. Like it would be really bad. We don't have, we don't have the political institutions or structures, um, to be able to withstand whatever would happen. Um, so that's mm-hmm. got the goal is like to be able to, to be able to survive, um, you know, to have, to have our, our people survive into, you know, the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Um, so with that in mind, uh, I think we've, we've covered that topic. Well, the next topic, uh, that I wanted to cover was, um, there's this guy that decided I, I only heard of him this week and I, I pay a lot, you know, very close attention to, uh, to stuff. This guy named Vivek, who is announced his run for the presidency. Uh, you have some thoughts. You wrote an article about this. Um, tell me what you think about this Vivek Ramaswamy. Uh, tell me, tell me about him. So, yeah, I, I wrote this article on my Substack just called Vivek is not our guy. Um, and I, and I kind of just discussed this theme because he, he recognizes that immigration is a, is a popular topic, especially for like flyover Americans, like legacy Americans. Um, they recognize that their own um, like ethnic representation is being diluted and they, they sense that something is wrong. And he speaks to this a little bit, but then he goes on this, just this classic bait and switch. This is what they always do. They say, well, the problem with immigration is not immigration, but it's illegal immigration. Right. <laughs> like, like this legislative technicality is like what's wrong with the transformation of American culture. And I think that whole thing is completely BS mm-hmm. because what it does is it treats the country as if it was just this geographical space that anyone who agrees with these ideals can because there's no underlying or rooted culture here. It's just a bunch of um, unexpected unrooted individuals who live here in order to increase their material prosperity. And I just, I completely agree with that entire um, paradigm. And I think this is sort of the old classical liberal establishment in the 20th century, this propositional nation, and it's being juxtaposed to the new woke orthodoxies, but neither of them are correct. America is not a unrooted america is a place with a history with a people and with um people who have stories here they have a heritage that they want to continue on and push forward into the future so i completely i I just i have no patience for this type of quasi conservatism Mm -hmm. because it's not conservative very liberal and the same as new left wing um so i i wrote this article on the problem with the propositional nation idea. And I really took him to task because I don't have patience for it. Like I just can't imagine that this, an influx of um, wealth producing Southeast Asians are going to um, adhere to and defend the honor and integrity of Anglo-Saxon America. They they literally, there's no, there's no reason to expect them to. That's not like, that's not some sort of moral failing because no, in their country, in their geographical location, it would be ridiculous to expect us to go and honor their own Indian traditions. Right? Yeah, this is uh, this is heritage, and they need to they need yeah. to have the right to defend that. Yeah, this is. Um, I mean, this is part of a bigger topic, and I mean, the thing I thought, you know, when I saw the video, I think he was announcing, I think on Tucker Carlson show his run, mm-hmm. and someone posted the 
video, the very first thing he talks about is this, is saying we, we need merit-based immigration. We, we need legal yeah. immigration. And it, again, it's that this Mott and Bailey, you know, bait and switch um, that, that they do uh, constantly. And, and again, the issue is, and I got into a big you know, Twitter fight, I think last week or something about, about this issue um, of, because there was, I think this like Mich- Michigan state university, there was a shooting and there was this state Senator from, you know, with the, with the Hindi name um, and, and was extremely vulgar, you know, uh, F words and things like this about, about guns. And I'm like, this guy needs to go back. <laughs> and, and I, no, I, did I inquire whether he was born here or whether he's second, third, fourth generation or what? No, I didn't. Like he, he's not assimilated to American culture. Like just like Ilhan Omar is not assimilated to American culture mm-hmm. um, that, and, and, and I look at it like, I mean, you look at that video of him on Tucker Carlson's show, right? I mean, Tucker Carlson is, is, you know, this wasp, uh, blue blood, you know, East coast elite guy. And imagine if the, imagine if the situation were reversed, right? Imagine if Tucker Carlson was in, in New Delhi, in, in Mumbai, right? On the, on the Vivek Ramaswamy show, which is the most popular show in, in, in India and saying, I'm running for, for president of India. Right. I'm, yeah. I'm going to re- I'm going to replace Modi um, yeah. and I'm going to be your new president. And here's why. Right. Uh, the people would, there would not accept it at all. Right. They would say, right. this is, why? Why do you why do you think you could rule over us? Um, yeah. You know, and so uh, that's that's the other thing. And the, the second thing on the immigration question is that, I mean, you look at it again, judging it by how every other country in the world views it or even or th- throughout all of history. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you move to a place, right, if you marry someone from a different nation and you move mm-hmm. there, um, those people would not consider you one of them. Even if you married into it, they might mm-hmm. not even consider your children, right? Yeah. One of them or your grandchildren or even your yeah. great grandchildren might be three or four generations of, of you united to them, be grafted into their culture and, and assimilating to their, their, their cultural practices, their ways of life, um, their ideas, their beliefs, um, that finally, right. You're, you, you become part of, of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you, if, if it's not just you, uh, but it's hundreds or thousands of your people, you know, showing up there, right. Say it's mm-hmm. India. Um, you would never be one of them. You would still be an American in India and you'd be right. part of an a- American emigrate community in India. Um, if I kept, um, I mean, you look like, you know, I, I, we both, um, are critical of American immigration, even in the 19th century with Ellis Island. Um, I mean, we've, we've talked before about how um, the Ellis Islanders and the political machines that they set up in the urban areas gave us the new deal. Um, mm-hmm. And, and, and uh, you know, Josiah Lippincott, he originally got banned on Twitter because he pointed out that every single cabinet member in Joe Biden's cabinet is an Ellis Islander. There's not a rig- not a single original American in it at all which is which is is really something yeah um, this and this this go this conversation goes right to the heart of who are we this is an american yeah. identity question which is you know? something that that vivek in his in his announcement with tucker talks about he's like we need to restore revive american cultural identity and it's like yeah i agree and it's it starts by saying like you're not an american like you're not yeah. you and because i mean my point with ellis island is like as 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 problematic, right? As many problems as there are with Ellis Island, um, in the immigration that happened in the, in the late nineteenth century, 
right? The people that came over here at least anglicized their names, right? They changed their names to English names so they could assimilate into America to be part yeah. of American culture. And, it, and you know, some of them did really well. Some of them didn't as much. Um, but he didn't. He didn't. He has a Hindi name. Like it's, yeah. I mean, that's a meaningful thing. Like he's identifying, like his identity as a person is, I am uh, Indian. I'm East yeah. Indian. I'm from India. I, my name is Indian. We didn't change it to move to America to become part of your people. Right. We're maintaining that. Ilhan Omar didn't call herself, you know, uh, uh, Lisa Johnson or something. Like mm -hmm. uh, she, she didn't change her. Like she's still Somali. Right. right. Like that's, that's, that's the thing is like, we, that's because there's no assimilation here. Yeah, that's because they've continued on in the myth of a propositional nation. Yes. But what makes a nation is someone's assent to a given set of declarations. That's what yeah. makes a nation. And I completely disagree. That's also why I disagree with the idea of a meritocracy, because we have um, affirmative action, which basically, you know, along a line of color and ethnicity, you know, the government can basically pick winners and losers. But mm. the... But the alternative to that is not this colorblind society, because what happens when you have this colorblind society is you still are transforming the culture here. I mean, America, sh heritage and legacy Americans should be able to defend what was theirs. You know, so I, yeah. you know, so that's that's my take on Vivek and all that. You know, well, so and, I, and and because it's not liberal. just judging, yeah, it's not just judging by like the standard of of this like um, this very brutal or you know Schmidian um, or Nietzschean. That's the other the big buzzword Nietzscheanism. Uh, you know, view of politics and, and view of humanity. Yeah, it's that this is all how all human societies everywhere is. There, there's the in group and the out group. There's your people and there's the other people. Yeah. Um, this is how nations have always functioned. Mm -hmm. Is you have your people. And you have a, a, a duty and a responsibility to defend your people. Yeah. Right. That's, that's what it is. Like that's when, um, when Americans went to war in world war two or world war one or, or, or any of the wars that they fought, the reason they fought wasn't because, Oh, we're, we're this arsenal of democracy. And we, we love all of the ideas and we care so much about the constitution and, and all of this kind of stuff. Like that's the stuff we were taught. That's why they fought yeah. the war. Um, but it's, it's because they love their country. Their country is attacked by a foreign power and they want to go fight and defend mm -hmm. their country. Like that's why they went and fought, right? Mm -hmm. That's why any, any, but that's what, what our generation, the guys who went and fought in Afghanistan and Iraq, right? They didn't go there to like, because of ideology, because they're like, I, we really need to make sure women have schools in Afghanistan, right? Or anything like that. It's like, no, my country was attacked. I want to defend it. Yeah. Right? That's why guys signed up to fight. And so like, that's the very, like, instinctually what people think and, and, and view um of how you you view a nation and i mean and, and like biblically too like you can go to this as well um like to become part of israel right it, depending on, on where you came from you had to be there for three or four generations before you fully were part of the people right yeah. that isn't like some aberration that god right. just arbitrarily picked something out to say like Oh, we're gonna pick on the Amalek or on, on uh, the Moabites or whatever before they could really be be part of my people. It's it's that this is the way nations always function. This everywhere. is this is this is the thesis of Christian nationalism. I mean, it's, if you read, St uh, you know, Stephen Wilk, this is literally what he's arguing: is that um, you know God created us with families, He created us with um, kinships, He created us with communities, and we should defend those temporal lines of bonds. You know, that's what yeah. we should be doing. And that's the Christian case for it. That's Christian nationalism. Yeah. And it's insane that it even has to be argued. 
actually, mm-hmm. because this is something that no one even had to like think about for thousands of years. It's just instinctual. Like no one, no one has to write a book to say, Hey, you should like care about your children and your family. Right. I mean, yes. I mean, St. Paul said, said things like, you know, how to, how to have, how to take care of your family and that, you know, and, and rebuke people who, who refuse to do it. But ordinarily like no one had to tell the, the Greeks or the Romans, you should care about your family, that families are good and having children is good. Like um, the, you know, modern trash world has it exists to like socially engineer all of the instinctive impulses of how God built people uh, out of them. Right. Yeah. To, to think that families are good, that people that are like you, that are your neighbors, that are your friends, that your heritage is good, that you should, you should love it and care about it and preserve it. No, that that's, that's all ripped away from people. Um, and mm-hmm. that's, that's what this is. And it turns it into, turns America and really the whole globe by extension into a mining colony, right. To extract mm-hmm. resources from, and yeah. to get wealth out of, and that's it. It's not a people. It's not a place. It's not a place with heritage and a history. It's just uh, a place to, to make money, right? Even right. when you use that meritocracy language, that's what it, it's about. Exactly, is, exactly, yeah. Is like, you don't actually care about America or, or like this, love this country. You love like that it can make you rich. Yeah. Like, that's this all you is, care about. This So for, for some people, they may not have heard the name Amy Wax, but she's a professor at Penn Law School. And she's been in hot water because she's, you know, articulated some of these similar ideas. And one of the things she says is that because because people will say like, you know, um, you know, Trump will say that that we have the problem is that we have all these people coming in from these like back backward third world countries. Yeah, this is a family show. We're not going to say family show. Yes, yes. But but so then the counter to that is, well, actually, there's a lot of CEOs, especially in the tech world that are coming from, you know, Southeast Asia and India, and they're actually very successful. You know, they're millionaires and billionaires. So maybe not everyone is um, has the culture of the underclass. And she says, you know, that's that's true. But we're not a meritoc- We shouldn't be a meritocracy. Mm-hmm. They still don't fit in with the American culture because what it means to be an American is not your capacity to consume. What what is meant to be an American is to have similar customs and habits and demeanors and instincts and priorities as the Americans do. Like that's, yeah. that's what it means to be an American. So it doesn't really matter if you're good at producing well, it really matters is, is whether you are in the same state of mind as your fellow American. And, you know, unfortunately, when we talk about things like assimilation, because America is transforming at such breakneck speeds, well, it actually may be more of an assimilation for people to come in and just be like this mindless consumer. So unfortunately, yeah. like even assimilation these days is, um, you know, prolonging the problem. Yeah. A similar, I mean, we're, we're at a point where like, we don't, we, we our, our culture is being engine re-engineered in right. real time rapidly. So like the idea of like, have them come and assimilate to our, like, well, one, it doesn't even exist anymore. Like we need like a moratorium of like a yeah. hundred years. I mean, just to be able to reset and re regain our own culture again. You and I, um, you and I are like heritage legacy Americans, but we don't fit in with the dominant mainstream culture anymore. No. Like, you know what I mean? So like, we're no. not assimilated and I try to prevent my kids from being assimilated because what assimilated yeah. means today is to question your gender. Right. So, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so, no, I don't want to do that, but it's, yeah. so the, it's the other it's, flip side of it too. It's like from a Christian perspective is like, if we care about these other nations, if we care about China and India and um, I mean, you, you know, uh, you know, Costa Rica and, and Uganda and all these things. Um, and we're taking all of their best and brightest people away from them. Uh, those are people that their nations need. 
Like they yeah. badly need nuclear yeah, engineers and, and rocket scientists and, 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 and people that can, can be CEOs. Their why countries they, need those. Why aren't they staying in their own country and fighting for their own heritage? That's, that's a concerning point. If they don't care that much about their own people, why should they care about the continuity of America? Yeah, exactly. Like that's that's my other point with with this stuff is is like you, those countries, like it, it's still the the nation is shopping mall mentality, mm-hmm. right? Nation is factory, nation, nation is mining colony idea is oh we could bring these guys that that'll increase our GDP. Isn't that wonderful? Um, and it's like no, I you should care about their country now. You now you have a country that has one less really skilled, highly competent guy that can make mm-hmm. their situation as a nation even better. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's what that, that stuff matters. And people, people don't get that. They don't see that. They just think like, Oh, well, you're just a bad guy. If you don't want um, people to move here, yeah. um, you're yeah. just, you're just a meanie. Um, yeah. And, and it's like, no, actually, like I, I care about, I actually care about diversity. Um, <laughs> coincidentally, like I care about, like, I, I like that these other nations exist and that they're unique, particular places mm-hmm. that, that they have particular cultures that are different than mine. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that they have them. I like that they have different food than me. I like that they have that. But if you if you just put all of the people in the same place yeah. and rip them away from what makes them unique and distinct, yep. then uh, you no longer have diversity. You have this homogenous thing. So like when people talk about, oh, diversity is our strength. Like, no, it's not. You don't believe in diversity at all. You, you want everyone to be like a 24-year-old gender studies uh, <laughs> master's degree holder. Like that's yeah. what you want the whole planet to be. Um, so no, I, 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 I reject that too, uh, entirely. Mm-hmm. Um, one more topic. I mean, along those lines, um, you know, uh, we, we were running short on time here, but, um, I wanted to talk about Trump going to East Palestine and Biden going to Ukraine at the same time, but we can maybe table that for next time. I mean, it's pretty obvious what's going on there. Like one guy is <laughs> cares about our country, our nation. The other guy cares about, um, expanding the globalism, um, mm-hmm. to the far ends of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, the final topic, our final topic, uh, is regards to a video. It's a video from a couple of years ago that resurfaced, you know, you see the video resurfaces, um, this video, uh, came up again, uh, between, uh, Tucker Carlson and Ben Shapiro kind of having a debate. Um, and I, I think the reason I want to show it and, and, and have your reaction to it is, uh, because it really demonstrates the distinction between the, the old wineskins of of conservatism from the last you know, 20, 30, 40 years mm-hmm. and right the new wine of of what's happened of 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 a, a kind of, of of rightist, you know, nationalistic um, uh, impulse that's that started to take over. So uh, I'll play it for for you now. is when the pedal hits the metal. Like you talk in the, in the book about technology and how it's shifting and taking away jobs from folks. Yes. And you make specific reference to truck driving and the fact yes. that there are going to be these automated cars on the roads. So would you, Tucker Carlson, be in favor of restrictions on the ability of trucking companies to use this sort of technology specifically to, you know, sort of artificially maintain the number of jobs that are available in the trucking industry? Are you joking? In a <laughs> no. second. In a second. In other words, if I were president, when I say to DOT, Department of Transportation, we're not (laughs) letting driverless trucks on the road, period. Why? Really simple. Driving for a living is the single most common job for high school educated men in this country, in all 50 states. 
By the way, that's the same group whose wages have gone down by 11% over the past 30 years. The social cost of eliminating their jobs in a 10-year span, five-year span, 30-year span, is so high that it's not sustainable. So the greater good is protecting your citizens from, look, capitalism is the best economic system I can think of, I think that anyone's ever thought of, but that doesn't mean that it's a religion and everything about it is good. No, but, but There's no I'm, Nicene creed of capitalism that I have to buy into. What I care about is living in a country where you know decent people can live happy lives, actually. And so, no, I would say, no, are you joking? And I maybe would make up some pretext for public consumption, <laughs> like, oh, they're dangerous. The technology's not quite finessed. No, no, but the truth would be, I don't want to put 10 million men out of work so this, because you're going to have 10 million dead families and the cascading effect from that will wreck your country. So I'm going to ask about the limiting principle there in just a second. Um, but first, let's talk about Talkspace. <laughs> they so, had to get the ad in there too. That's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I love I love this one because it, it just, it shows so clearly the juxtaposition between like this libertarian capitalist um, absolutism and someone who is willing to break the propositions, you know, the logic in order to defend your people. So yeah. like in, in capitalist theory, like how do you make a nation grow wealthier? You know, the free market theory, the free market response on things like trade is that, you know, if you let trade be absolutely free and you don't put any of these protectionist measures into play, you're going to increase the overall wealth of of the of the countries that are participating in this but one of the things that people have to realize and people like tucker carlson are really pointing out is there are more important things than the overall wealth it's true that the overall wealth of a society will get, it's true that we'll have um you know uh more goods at, at cheaper prices if we continue to let the market run but there are more important things than that and the communities and the ability to maintain the integrity of existing structures of um of a society is something that we should prioritize over some general wealth increase. And I think that right there is something that people, you know, they can't wrap their minds around that because for them, like they're consumers, right? They're consumers in that they're, they're always thinking about the fact that we could grow wealthier and wealthier and wealthier, but in doing so, you're going to lose your nation. You're going to lose your identity. You're going to, you know, you're going to, um, for, 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 a, for like a cheaper toaster, you're going to give up something about your community that has been there for three to four generations. And I don't think that's even close to what a conservative should be prioritizing. Yeah. What's, what's the uh, apocryphal story? It, it was uh, Ludwig von Mises and um, oh, I can't think of his name off the top of my head. They're, they're it'd, be going like, for... it'd be like Frederick Bastiat and like, right. The, like the French, the French free market defenders. Uh, it wasn't Bastiat, but it was, I mean, it was like, it was a guy like it, it was um, uh, Ropka. I think. Um, oh, okay, and, yeah. uh, uh, and they're, they're going for a walk and they see these, you know, home gardens that someone had. And I think Mises, and this is an apocryphal story. I don't know if it actually happened or not, but uh, it doesn't matter. And um, Mises, you know, scoffs at these home gardens. Right. Right. Uh, and says that's, that's such an inefficient way to produce vegetables. Mm -hmm. And, and Rupka says immediately, but it's a very efficient way to produce human happiness. Yeah. And like, that's, that's, that's part of it is like um, this, this libertarian dogmatism um, misunderstands what humanity is. Like it dehumanizes 
and it just looks at, at numbers on a spreadsheet. And, and obviously, like this is Tucker's point, is that, yes, I understand how division of labor works. I understand the basic economics of, mm-hmm. of how technology reducing your, or expanding the division of labor and, and mm-hmm. making it. So, yeah, those truck drivers, they can go do some other job at some point. We'll find work for them to do um, and, and, and so on. But, yeah, but, but uh, it's there's... so disruptive, right? Yeah. It, it will destroy the country and especially that segment of the population. Yeah, but what is important for the stability and continuity of a community is to inherit these tasks and these skills and pass them on from generation to generation. That's more important than um, you know the the prices coming down and having the ability to buy more goods. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? so like, it's like exactly. So yeah, that's I mean that's the old preference for you know, the tradesmen and the craftsmen and the people who have inherited these skills from their father and their grandfather. That's I think that's much more consistent with you know um, what what brings about human happiness than just the ability and capacity to consume more goods yeah and of course the question i mean the question itself like people will like pick at the question like well this this doesn't work or this details wrong or whatever um it, or it, it wouldn't work that way it wouldn't be instantaneous like, the, like he says this it doesn't matter if it's five ten thirty years it's it's what it does and how how destabilizing it is to your society um to take men who are breadwinners and who have already lost, you know, wages over the last 30 years massively. And this is mm-hmm. that the fact that he says that is extremely important that people do not understand about the Trump phenomenon, about things that are happening into the future is that middle America, right? Working class white America um, has been massively attacked for the last 30 years, the mm-hmm. immigration, the free trade, um, that we've deindustrialized the heartland of the country. So all of the people who are able to have families, have, have jobs, right. Um, be able to provide f- for their children, right. They don't have that anymore. And then at the same time, um, they dumped opiates in all of these places and get people hooked on opiates. The doctors prescribe them to people um, willy nilly. Mm-hmm. And that happened at the same time. Right. All this mm-hmm. is, is going on like that's like this warfare that is waged on middle America for the last 30 or 40 years. And it's and it's all like the backdrop of it is the attitude that Ben Shapiro has, mm-hmm. which is, well, who right. really cares? It's going to help the economy. Yep. Don't you understand how economics works? Um, and it's like, no, I do understand how economics works, actually. But I, I care about my people more than GDP. Like, that's mm-hmm. the question is, do you care about your people or do you care about the gross domestic product, which yeah. is more important? And maybe, and maybe our country would be a lot stronger if we had emphasized the strength and continuity of families over the production of in the import of cheaper goods, like you yeah. know, like because you- because it's it's true that you can have single college kids in in Manhattan that are are able to buy more things because of increased trade uh you know decreasing trade restrictions it's true on that but in the process what you lose is the stability and continuity of um communities in um the rust belt or in flyover america you suck that wealth out of there and and i'll tell you this i would rather have strong families than um wealthy college kids (laughs) you know what i mean like or like cheap tvs like i don't care if i can if i could buy a, a brand new television for five hundred dollars instead of fifteen hundred dollars or three thousand. Yeah, maybe you don't need the Who television. Cares? I don't yeah. need it. 
like yeah. I would I would rather like be a little bit less wealthier myself and right. know that all of my countrymen are you know have a m- much better quality of life. Like that's that's more important to me. And people are like, oh, that sounds like socialism. Oh my goodness. And it's like no, it's not actually. It's it's understanding that that like there's more things important to life than just mere basic economics. Yeah. And, and so like, that's, that's, I think what the future is going to be is like people understanding this, that like, that you, you can't, you can't put on a spreadsheet, mm-hmm. right. And, and, and calculate the social cost of families being destroyed or never being formed. Uh, mm-hmm. You can't, you can't calculate that. I mean, you can, like, it's a very lagging indicator, right. That takes place over generations of mm-hmm. policy decisions that are made right now. But um, you can't do it in real time. You can't know the costs of all these things and what, what it's doing to the country long term. Like you don't see that. You have to intuitively know it. And, yeah. and, and people always did. Right? That's the thing that's changed is people don't get that they're intentionally hollowing out the country in order to make a, a few more dollars. Right? Meanwhile, right, millions of people suffer greatly because of it. Millions of people who are in your country who you should care about like suffer. That's like, like, so to bring up the, the Trump East Palestine thing again, right. You see that like people are like, Oh, you know, it's a photo op and it's fake, but like you see him at the McDonald's and how, how, how warm the guy is toward the people. Like he's not faking it. Right. As phony of a guy as he is, like he actually, it it comes across. Like you see this every, anytime he interacts with real people, like he just genuinely cares about his people. Right. That's the, the main distinction between him and everybody else regardless of policy or anything else is like you want a guy that like actually cares about his countrymen. Right. Like you want that, you want a leader. And, um, and, and so you see that with like Ben Shapiro, it's all, it's all completely separated out. That doesn't matter. These people don't matter. Like you can almost hear the contempt, right. That he has for, for, for the truck drivers that subscribe to the daily wire and pay money to hear him talk. Like he hates those people. Like he hates them. He hates guys like my dad. My dad was a truck driver. He hates guys like my dad that bring his, their stuff to him. Like he yeah. would rather you be replaced by a machine, right? That's what yeah. he thinks of you. Uh, yeah. It's disgusting. Yeah. So on that note, uh, I think that, we're, yeah. we're, we're out of time. Uh, we're out of time here, but um, do you have anything you want to, you want people to look at, to read, to, to watch, to view um, this week? Uh, no, I mean, my Substack and my Twitter are on the show notes page. So just visit that and subscribe to the show. I think all the links are up there now. So I think we are getting to, what is this, our third one? Yeah, it's our third one. episode three. By the time we hit number five, we're going to be um, we're gonna be going along pretty good. So I, I guess just visit the Substack and you know follow me on Twitter if you want to, and we'll continue to grow. Yes, and, and for me, I'm going to have more stuff out uh, from Gab News uh, this, this coming week, a few more articles. Um, and yeah, please, please follow there. Uh, you can find me on Gab and on Twitter and continue on the discussion. Please, um, you know, like subscribe wherever you get your, yeah. your podcasts and videos um, and comment, like, let us know what you think. Tell us, you know, tell CJ why he's wrong about everything and why I'm right. Uh, <laughs> like, tell us, tell us, tell us whatever, you know, like, the feedback that we've gotten has been great. It, um, make sure, so- make sure also that you follow our um, head of PR at Contra Muslim Institute. We're all going to yes. make it. Make sure you follow him as well. He's, yeah, a, he's an integral part of our show. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, we don't have enough time to have him on as a guest today. Uh, maybe next time. But for all of us here at, at Contramundum, um, have a wonderful week, and we'll see you next time.